0: Hi, everyone. This is Lauren Goss, and this is The Greg Bennett Show. Any questions?
1: Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I've just finished an absolutely delightful conversation with a good friend of mine, Lauren Goss. Lauren was a professional triathlete for a dozen or so years and really maximized her career professionally. Uh, she won so many races around the world, uh, especially in the US. Every All the races from New York and Escape from Alcatraz and everything in between, including 11 70.3 Ironman titles. She left the sport of triathlon in 2019 and there's a very interesting story there that you need to listen to of what happened. Fascinating insights. She ended up having a baby and becoming a professional runner very soon after covid you know opened up the world and her running career has really just taken off um her marathon just in this past month of a 227 marathon on debut is one of the most incredible debut marathons i think i've ever seen a really insightful conversation in this one she also gives her training week exactly how she trains and she's training right now with who was the norwegian head coach Arild real who uh has been coaching Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden for the past 10 years, and now is coaching Lauren Goss. So there's a lot in this one to unpack, a lot of great insights. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. A little bit of housekeeping before we go on. Please go check out any question. You can go check it out on iOS and Android. And the reason I say please go check it out is you will find there's so much you can learn there to both optimize your career, whether that's as an athlete or whether you're just wanting to know more about how to look after your parents The channels that we have on there now, we have over 26 channels. There's plenty of knowledge that you can just go listen to, 43,000 answers. And you can go ask questions yourself. You can listen and you can ask. So it's a great platform for you to gain some knowledge. So go check it out. That's any question. And you can go to anyquestion.com as well if you want to go check it out there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. And please, as always, give me any feedback you have. And remember, success comes to those who endure one moment longer. All right. Today, I am joined by a remarkable woman, a former professional triathlete for over 12 years, where she won every major race in the US, and that includes 11 70.3 Ironman titles. The last three years have been somewhat of a a whirlwind. She's now a mother of a two-year-old, a professional runner, and is a business entrepreneur operating her triathlon coaching business, Black Sheep Endurance. She truly is inspiring. Her running career is just getting started with a 15-16 5K, a 31-49 10K, 53-10 for 10 miles, and a 109 half marathon on debut, and follow that up with a 227 marathon also on debut. And I... I can't help but feel the sky is the limit. It hasn't all been smooth sailing, and, but she just continues to to pick herself back up and continues to fight. It's just an honor and privilege to have her join me today. So welcome and thank you for joining me on the Greg Bennett Show, Lauren. Goss, how are you?
0: Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. Um, this is definitely one of the podcasts that I listen to every week. So it's such a honor to be on here. So thank you for having me.
1: Not at all. The honor's all mine and I I appreciate you getting up early because where are you? Are you in Colorado at the moment? Where are you in the world?
0: I am in Colorado. We had a snowstorm. I just finished a workout on the treadmill at the gym and yeah, here we are.
1: How does that work? I mean, you get up early and, and I think, what time is it there for you now? It's mid-morning, but you've got, you've got the little guy. How, how do you fit it all in? How are you getting to the gym early in the morning, going for a run and still coming home and being able to get onto a podcast?
0: Yeah, so I have my son. He's two and a half. I have him at uh, school. and mm-hmm. so he goes from eight to noon now. And then also I've joined a gym here that has uh, child care. So I'm able to take him to the childcare at the gym while I run too. So, mm. you know, there's always a way always- to figure it out. If you want it If you want it enough, there's always a way. <laughs>
1: well, I love that. And I think that's a really great way to start the show because we got a lot to cover. I want to discuss your triathlon career. I want to discuss your running and of course, being a mom and how that's impacted, you know, everything in your life. So let's just dive in. Okay, Let's rewind the clock. It's my favorite thing to do, and I just love listening to people's journeys and and what really brought them to where they are today. But let's start with the initial part of finding your passion for the sport of triathlon specifically, I guess, and endurance sports as a whole. And and when did that all begin?
0: I would say I've been in in endurance sports my whole life. I was a swimmer growing up. So, you know, like most kids swimming at a high level, I was doing the double practices every day. I did that up until... I was 15 years old and my dad was in the Navy and we moved different states and I had to be on a different team. (laughs) I would say that was the first like turning point in my life where things started getting weird. I experienced a lot of trauma moving in the middle of high school and I developed an eating disorder as a way to cope with that. And I'm just now kind of figuring that stuff out with therapy at 34 years old. You know, I don't know. I never knew why I was the way I was, but I have this like fear of like abandonment or like I'm going to lose something because mm. I feel like all my friends were kind of taken away from me mm. at Very critical moment in my life at 15, right? You're just coming to age. Anyways, we moved. I got an eating disorder. I got really skinny. I got really slow and I quit swimming. I didn't really do any sports until I was in college four years later and I started running just to like de stress. Mm. You know, there's a huge story in that, but. Through meeting people in college, I was introduced to triathlon, um, a sport I didn't even know about, honestly. And when I found out it, it included swimming and running, I was like, oh, I bet I can do this because I'm a swimmer and I can run. And I bought a bike. And that was probably 2008 or Mm nine. And I joined the club team and um, I started doing triathlon for Clemson University. I was pretty good and I begged my way into the collegiate recruitment program with Barb Lindquist and the Colorado Springs mm. and I got a spot and then I haven't looked back ever since then. I mean, I guess I been. that was 2009. Yeah. And I've been doing sports ever since.
1: Did you find, you know, you, you talked about the eating disorders and did you find that triathlon, did you ever feel that kind of that, did you go through that again in triathlon, I guess, you know, is my my question.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I coach now and I'm very sensitive on how I talk about food with athletes because I just honestly believe every single endurance athlete has an eating disorder mm-hmm. or disordered mindset towards eating, right? Because we all kind of think being skinny is fast. Yeah. So did I have an eating disorder in triathlon? 100% but I never acted on it. If yeah. that makes sense. So, no, like, I always was thinking about it. I always was feeling guilty, but I had the athletic maturity to know that I wouldn't perform if I didn't eat. So therefore, I never physically acted on it. But even today, I mean, mm. I'm 34 years old. I think about what I'm eating all the time, but I still eat.
1: So yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah. really well put, though, because I, I that resonated with me. And because it, it's not a, a women versus men thing. I think you'll find in endurance sports men have just as many kind of issues with uh, in and around food and their weight as any woman does. And and I shared a, a photo with the team that I work with at Any Question of me sort of 12 years ago or whatever. And I remember when the photo was taken thinking, oh, please don't take my photo. I'm, I'm kind of carrying a bit of weight right now. And I look back at that photo and I'm like, Oh my god, it's all ribs. What was I thinking? You know, and and yeah. now I'm like twenty five, thirty pounds heavier, and I feel quite comfortable who I am. And I'm like, wow, it really it does it does come down to a bit of a performance mindset where you really do start to believe. You know, every couple of pounds, and it does matter. At the end of the day, it does probably matter. But there's a way to get there, right? It's like yeah. train the right way, and the body will give you the right weight.
0: Exactly, and it's it's a fine line, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like. I know in triathlon my sweet spot for my weight was 123 pounds, mm. and now in running my sweet spot's 115 pounds. I know I'm if I'm 112, I'm gonna my performance will suffer because my power will go down. Wow. Right, so it's kind of finding that mm. perfect weight to be, and that just takes some trial and error, mm-hmm. you know. So. Mm-hmm. I think now I've, I've figured that out, but still, you know, those thoughts like are always there and they're probably always going to be there and I've accepted it and I've learned how to cope with
1: it. Yeah. That's well put. I've, I've never heard anybody frame it like that. And I think that shows great maturity. I I like the way you're looking at it. When when did you sort of decide, okay, I've got, you know, you reached out to Bob, was there a point that you realized you actually did have some decent talent and that you could make a career of this?
0: Yeah, I, um, I won overall my second 70.3 I ever did as an amateur. And I was so new to the sport, like biking. I mean, I was so bad. Like, (laughs) I thought, you know, people told me like, you should really pursue this. And I was very attracted to traveling for the ITU circuit because I, growing up, I never left the country. So I wanted to see the world and, Mm. and they were willing to pay for me to do that you know, I set these very small financial goals every year for myself. And, you know, you, Greg, and Laura actually taught me, I would credit a lot of my success to you guys, because you guys taught me how to make money in the sport. And I changed (laughs) my mind shift. And ultimately, I left the ITU and went to long course and non-draft racing because I knew that's how you make money. Mm. And so... I got into triathlon because I wanted to see how good I could get. And originally, because I was like, maybe I can make the Olympics. And quickly, I realized I can either make the Olympics or I can make this a career. And I can do this for a pretty long time. And I made that choice to figure out how to make money in the sport. And I mastered that. And I made great money in the sport, not even being that great. Like I was pretty good but I never did a world championship (laughs) and I was making, you know, six figures for a very long time. That's why I was able to stay in the sport so long because I used the resources around me to figure out how to make money and um, to have longevity in the sport.
1: You want to have a career and you want to see how good you can be, but you can't do that unless you have the financial stability to give it a good shot. And so it's not saying money is everything. It's saying, look, I can't be my best unless I can financially afford to do this. And by buying myself more time, I get to more ha- have, have more years at giving, trying to find out who I am and, you know, and and thank you for (laughs) crediting Laura and I on that. I, I, I laugh, but it's, I, one thing I've always enjoyed about watching your career was that you did have a business mindset, that you were a professional athlete, that you understand your strengths and where your weaknesses were. And you honed in on those strengths to optimize them absolutely as much as you could. And, you know, I just had Belinda Granger on, on the show and Belinda Granger is, also did that same thing. She understood where her strengths were was and and she maximized those. And I think You've done that incredibly well throughout your career. And we'll touch on that a bit more with your running career on, on what you're doing there. But I've always been impressed in the way that you did focus on the right events at the right time without just putting your head between your legs and going, it's all about Olympic gold. And it's kind of going, well, right. have, have I got Olympic gold in me? Be realistic. What, what, Or can I go win the Rev 3 series or the whatever series you were winning at the time? Because <laughs> you were winning a right. lot. And, and you were making a decent six-figure income, which is... Kind of what you need to be doing. You need to be doing that in those years when you've got that ability.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I did that in my 20s and Mm. I was able to buy three properties in Boulder. I was able to now have my business. And now I would say I'm finally benefiting from investing all that time making money in triathlon because now I'm running Mm. and I don't want sponsors. I don't care about the prize money. I just want to get fast time.
1: you know? And so
0: now my, my mindset has completely shifted because like you said, I now have the means to do the sport at the level I need to without worrying about, you know, am I going to break even on this trip?
1: You say you don't want, you don't want sponsorships. You don't want them. Is it like, tell me, tell me what, what is that? (laughs) What is that about?
0: Yeah, I guess that's weird. Right. Um, well, I will say, running is a little different than triathlon because if you get a shoe sponsor, you have to really believe in that shoe. Right. right? right and right. that's basically the main sponsors in running our shoe company. Right. And I'm not willing to compromise my performance to get in a sponsor.
2: Mm-hmm. So if
0: there's a shoe company that wanted to sponsor me, but it, I don't believe it's the fastest shoe for me. Then I'm not going to do it.
2: Yeah. I I'm just percent.
0: more interested in getting my best times than getting a paycheck. And then also Greg honestly I'm like jaded by the hustle of social media and like
2: hmm.
0: you know promotions I just want to run fast and and that's really it like I don't want the baggage and the pressure that goes along with it because hmm. I saw later in my triathlon career that was like made me hate the sport actually in the end and so I just, again, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I know my formula to be fast. And I, I don't really think that includes having sponsors.
2: Yeah. So mm. I've just
0: recognized that. And like, trust me, I'd love to show up with a Nike uniform and be on the start line. Like I would give anything to have that, but I'm just not, I don't, you know, I don't think Nike's in the cards right now. And that's probably, you know, there aren't that many companies i would actually end up running with so i've just kind of put that aside and i it's not a priority for me
1: but if the right company came on board that was supportive in every way that you could imagine if it was i would do it yeah we don't put pressure on the social media side plus we have a great product for you to use and if it all made sense it it would be worth saying yes to but I, i totally hear you i remember even when laura and i were racing and we had new balance japan forever um for about 12 years of our career and they were fantastic and then when they left, there were other opportunities for different kinds of shoe companies. And I remember thinking, and, and Laura and I said, and this is when there were some pretty big, decent money races around the Lifetime Fitness Series, High V Triathlon, and thinking, well, if we just win one of those, it's going to be better than any shoe sponsor we could potentially have. I need the fastest shoes so I can potentially win the prize money and then I can take out the middleman altogether. I don't need to have a sponsorship. (laughs) So I love that. I love that mindset. And so at what point was it that you really pulled the trigger and said, okay, I'm going to make a career of it? You you said, uh, how many years in were you that you were like, okay, I'm going to make this a business and I'm going to make a career out of this?
0: My first year racing, I made five grand. (laughs) <laughs> my second year racing, I <laughs> I said, if I don't I may, I was like, I need to make twenty thousand dollars my second year racing. And if I do that, I'll do a third year. Mm. And I did that. And then my third year, I said 45. And I did that. And then at that point, my third year, I was on to it. I, I figured it out. I was <laughs> like, I'm getting exponentially faster every year.
2: Yeah.
0: I know how to get sponsors. I know what the sponsors want and I figured it out the formula and I know where I need her face. And so, um, I would say probably 2012 is when I was like, okay, I, I can do this for a little while.
1: Were you managing yourself as well?
0: Um, I was until 2012. And that's once I really decided to go all in, that's when I got a manager. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I stuck, his name was John Jones. I stuck with him through my whole career. Um, and I pretty much had the same sponsors my whole career. So that was pretty easy to keep yeah. getting more money every year because you just kind of, you know, they add a little bit more every season. So.
1: Well, you kept winning, you kept winning and winning. Well, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and I, I kept maxing out my bonuses because I chose the right races. Yeah,
1: like yeah.
0: what people don't understand is in the sport, you get the same bonuses for any 70.3. So why would I go to Oceanside, the most competitive race when I can go race in South America and win, you know, and the,
1: and get a cool vacation too. So, <laughs> I love it. I don't know. So, so in, in, in your triathlon career, let's let's uh, dissect a little bit. You. You had some amazing highs and you had some lows. Let's tell me some of the greatest highs that you had in your career and the moments that you had.
0: You know, I really enjoyed uh, winning Escape from Alcatraz, um, New York City Tri, St. Anthony's, like all these um, Mm -hmm. races that I started doing when I was just starting the sport and women like your wife or Sarah Haskins. These girls were like, I looked up to these people and they were winning these races. And then I finally came into my own and started winning them Mm. and beating these people. And Mm. like, that was really special for me. And honestly, Greg, though, I will say once in the Beijing try, right? Like, I don't know, I went $50,000 in two hours. I was like, this is a joke. (laughs) I mean, to me, the whole thing was comical. The, The whole 10 years, honestly. It was like, I can't believe I'm making money running around in my bathing suit across the world. (laughs) Like this is weird. (laughs) But as soon as the Olympic distance non-draft racing in the U S started dying down, Mm. I, and I was forced to do 70.3 long distance. I I started not liking the sport anymore Mm. because I didn't enjoy cycling. And that's what you really had to do the most of. And so I no longer was having fun and it was work. that was probably around 2017 where i started making that shift and i would say that's kind of when i stopped enjoying it a lot and i don't really think i even got that much better because i really don't believe you can be your best if you don't absolutely love what you're doing yeah and now at 34 i can look back and say that was was what was happening Mm. for me
1: i i you and i are probably much on the same boat i um my my passion my number one sort of distance and love of the sport was that non-drafting olympic i enjoyed my years in the itu and the you know the world series stuff as well but honestly the non-drafting olympic i loved and and there was a point where 2014 15 16 it started becoming i had to do 70.3s and when you have to do something for your career that i was a bit the same as you i was I was also 43, 44 at the time and I was kind of getting a bit tired from the sport anyway, but it it was a shame to see the sport lose some of those just incredible races that we did have that paid very well, had great crowds, the sponsors were all there, great competition um, and they kind of all fell by the wayside. Now in 2019 though, take me through what happened, Um, Escape from Alcatraz, you'd won it, was it the year before you'd won it? was it that year?
0: Yeah, I won it the year before. And then in 2019, I got second to Ashley Gentle. Mm. um, Late minute or last minute entry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thought I had that race in the bag and then Ashley Gentle signed up. (laughs) Anyways, great athlete. Mm -hmm. So at the time, I mean, I've always struggled with anxiety and insomnia. That's kind of been my Achilles heel. I've never Mm. had injury issues. Um, I could train a high volume, but I could not sleep. Uh, And I've always had that problem. Mm -hmm. In 2017, in Colorado, I was working with a a a psychiatrist or whatever, and they suggested trying THC edibles to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I tried them and it like solved all my problems. I slept amazing Mm. and I wasn't using this for recreational use. I was using this to sleep. Mm. I knew THC was banned um, in competition, but not out of competition. And obviously I wasn't using it in competition. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm fine. I would make sure to stop using it before the races or whatever. And so I probably was drug tested 20 to 25 times over those years Mm. and never had a, you know, positive Test obviously, and uh, right before Alcatraz in 2019, I um, rolled my ankle pretty bad, and I thought I had a stress reaction, but I wasn't sure. But I started using this THC cream, and um, it really was working, and I was getting better, and I was like, great. And then you know, I do the race, I have the drug test, everything's fine, and I. You know, found out I got a positive test and for THC, and it was super confusing for me because I had tested negative like 25 times. You know, Mm. like I felt like I was being super responsible with using that stuff for sleeping, and um, I think that cream like was put me over the edge, I guess. I mean, that's still the only thing I can think of, Mm. and I was on my way to race in July of that year. So this is like four weeks later to Ecuador to do, to defend my title at 70.3 uh, Ecuador. And I'm in the Miami airport and I get an email from USADA saying I had a positive test. Wow. And I mean, nobody wants to get that email. Like uh, I, yeah. my heart just like stopped. I mean, I don't, I didn't know what to do. I called my agent. I called my coach at the time. And it was again like we had no idea what to do. But I just flew back to Boulder. I didn't go to the race. I just came back to Boulder and tried to st- hired a lawyer. Uh, you know, spent ten thousand dollars on a lawyer and tried to start figuring this out. And you know, unfortunately, I lost. I never, I had to serve a six month ban. Um, I lost every sponsor in like twenty four hours. Wow! So I went to making like two hundred k a year to zero, and my career was like taken for me right then in like an hour. Well, not an hour. I mean, you know, I had you yeah. know, I battled with it for probably a couple weeks, but and I was super shameful. Like I felt dirty. I felt like a cheater. Although I know I like it wasn't performance enhancing. Um, I was using it to sleep. I had been using it for years. So it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't, I was being irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's all I would known my whole life. Like I left college and went straight into triathlon. So I didn't know I was 31 years old and like, I never had a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had mortgages to pay. Like I didn't know. I was so lost. And, um, that's when I decided to get married. I decided to get pregnant and I was like, you know what? I'll have a kid, I'll serve my band and then I'll come back and I'll be really fast. Um, (laughs) and I don't need sponsors. I'll do it all on my own. I'll win the races. Like that's what I'm going to do. So in 2019, October, I got pregnant and I got married in September of 2019, you know, over that time when I was pregnant, I started a coaching business and decided I didn't want to do triathlon anymore. And then COVID hit. Mm. And so, you know, all these things started happening that kind of changed my path completely. But, you know, now I've had time to process it. And I would say I'm just now processing my divorce and my grieving the loss of my career years later. And I'm so grateful this happened because I was so miserable in triathlon. And I was only doing it because I was making so much money Mm. and I could, and I was getting faster, but I hated it. And I I was lonely and I like needed connection. I was not a nice person to be around when I went home to visit my family. Like everything was about my training, my schedule, my sleep, my eating. Mm. And I didn't like who I was and I didn't see it at all. All I could see was winning races and making money. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very grateful it was taken for me because I'm not sure, I think I'd still be racing. I'm not sure I would have walked away and I wasn't happy. So it was sucked and I'm still dealing with it. I just tried to get into the Boston Marathon. They won't let me in because I have that THC thing. And like, it still haunts me to this day, right? And I'm going to still deal with it for a long time. But there's a lot of good that came out of it too. And so I try to focus on that.
1: It's one of the traits I think athletes have is that they get very comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Which is what makes you very successful as an athlete. But it also makes it very hard to leave something that you're actually not happy in because you're used to being uncomfortable. That's the whole mindset of being an athlete, a champion athlete, is be uncomfortable, be comfortable being uncomfortable. But when somebody actually pulls the rug from under you like that and and then you've got to serve your penalty. You've got to, then COVID hits and all of that, all of these things kind of happen. It's kind of, then you take a deep breath and go, hang on, this has done me a huge favor. I want it out. I mean, it's definitely great to look back with hindsight, right? You can look at it with with some right. clarity. Um you know, obviously it sounds like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you, your marriage was a little bit of a, a reflex <laughs> to, you know, to hang on, I need something now. Um, but, you know, now that you're a mom, let me lead into this. How has that changed your perspective on life? You know, having having your little guy with you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And to follow up on what you said about my marriage, I will say that was definitely like I was reaching mm. to find happiness mm. because I felt so broken and I was like maybe this will fix me. And my ex, Matt, who's an amazing father in person. Mm. He also was in a similar place in his life and so we both thought we would fix each other. You mm. know, like and that that's not the case. <laughs> like it doesn't work like that and it didn't work. <laughs> but, you know, I, again, no regrets. I have my son and being a mom has just changed my perspective on a lot of things. like I'm much more relaxed and and a lot I, I'm still a very anxious person, but a lot of my anxiety and expectations have gone away. I now view exercise and competing as <sighs> I, I I get like I get to do it. I don't have to do it, you know. Mm. And when I was doing triathlon, I would have a threshold bike or run on the schedule, and I wouldn't sleep the night before because I'm so nervous about failing the workout.
2: Wow.
0: And now, like, I get I get a workout, and I'm so excited because like I get to do it because my life is so busy and crunched, and like
2: these
0: <laughs> these times I get to work out now are like. It's like I'm going to the club, you know? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, mom's night out. I get to go to the treadmill and do some K repeats. Yeah. <laughs> like, fun. And so I'm so present now in the moment. And mm. I'm not thinking about mm. yesterday or tomorrow. I'm thinking about what is going on right now. And mm. like, and, and how can I show up to be the best mother for my child? And I'm I'm learning and I got back into running and I'm still competing because I need to compete to be my best self for him. And I thought I didn't need to, but I do. Like Mm -hmm. I'm still not done competing. That's still something inside of me that I need um, to feel full inside, you know? Mm -hmm. So like as a mom, I guess it's just taking pressure off. You know, Even if I have a bad race or I have a bad workout, my son loves me, doesn't care. And like every, I still got to show up for him. Like, I don't have time to go, like, be depressed because I didn't run the time I wanted. You got to go back into life. You got to walk through the fire. So, I would say that's been um, something since having a child that has really just changed my perspective. And I'm also exhausted all the time. And, um,
1: yes. So,
0: yeah, like, I mean, you know, and so it's like, I don't know. You just know you're stronger than you think you are, yeah. you know, and you just do it. You
1: just yeah. get shit done. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. It really does affect your perspective, doesn't it? On everything, on everything. It, 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 and I love these little pockets of windows that you get as a mum. It's like Laura's the same. You know, I see her run off to the gym and just loves having, she does 30 minutes of stair stepper just to watch a little bit of a movie or something and just do stairs or whatever and just have that moment to decompress and, and be, just be you without having to, Cater to somebody else's needs, you know. It's almost like it's freeing. You know, I get to do this rather than I got to do this. That's that's really great. I love that perspective change. Now, with your running, you, you've had a couple of coaches, but from what I understand, you started working with Arild Svatten from the Norwegian group. Is that true?
0: Yes, um, I am working with Arild Tveden, and he is in Norway. I've had some. Great coaches in running up to this point. I worked with uh, originally Tom Schwartz mm-hmm. and uh, I went to him. Um, well, I, I I, guess I got, I started running altogether because I ran during my whole pregnancy every single day. I ran trails every single day, like no watch, and I just did it for fun because as you know, in triathlon, we're grinding on the flat roads. Like we're never, you know, I lived in Boulder and never ran at Chautauqua. You know, and mm. it's just like, what, why? How have you not done that? So I took advantage of that. And then I had my kid, and then I'm coming back. And Matt, my ex at the time, he's like, You need a coach because you're going to get injured. Because at this time, I was running 10 miles every single day, slow, but every single day, yeah. 10 miles. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that was my thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, Why don't you hire Tom Schwartz? Because Tom is a very scientific data-driven type coach. And Matt and I wanted to learn for our own coaching business. Yeah. You know, So yeah, yeah. I hired Tom really as a consultant to figure out how to run coach, not really for myself. And then <laughs> once I started training, he's like, I think you can make the Olympic trial, Lauren. And I was like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me, dude. Like, my PR is like thirty-five minutes in the ten k, and the time's thirty-two minutes. I'm like, there's no way. And I kid you not, three months later, I got on the track for the first time in my life. I'd never been on the track in a race, and I ran there. I ran that time, thirty-two seventeen, and I don't know how I did that. And Tom really taught me to believe in myself. And then um, I ran the Olympic trials, and then Matt and I talked, and like. I could see myself kind of going back to that professional athlete, very selfish type person. And we decided it was best that I didn't run anymore. So that was it. So I quit. And I left Tom and I was like, how cool. I ran the Olympic trials. Like, that was fun. Now time to be a mom again, you know? <laughs> like So I quit running. And then Matt and I split up and again found myself like lost. Like I need, like I was empty. I needed something else. And I I, I go back to, I needed to compete to feel whole. So I hired a, a local coach in town that had a group, a group of women and, because I felt like I needed connection and I needed social time because I was with Wilder all the time by myself. And then I did the 5K and the 10K on the track with with Rick Rojas this summer and that was great. Then we parted ways for various reasons. Um, the group just wasn't working for me. It was really hard for people to understand that like I have very strict like very like limited timeline. Um, because, as you know, like with when you have kids and you're training with people that like aren't married and don't have kids, it's just
2: like <laughs> yeah, don't I get can, it.
0: I don't have time to talk at the no, workout. Yeah, we gotta yeah. go,
2: <laughs> you <Okay>. know.
0: <laughs> like I can't shoot the shit for 20 minutes, then do the workout, then do no, the thing. No, 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 yeah. And so then I was consulting with the team Norway to just learn their methods for my own coaching. So nothing to do with my own, my mm-hmm. athletics personally. It was with my business. I asked both Olav and Arlid, I was like, do you guys recommend any run coaches out of Norway? Because I really would like to do this you know, sub-threshold, lactate, high-volume approach in running and really try to see what I can do in a marathon. And... I ended up just working with Arlen. Like he ended up taking me on as his first running only athlete. And he's never coached a runner I'm this first one. And, um, we have a fantastic relationship.
1: He's, he's wonderful, isn't he? He's wonderful. I've had him on the show. He is so yeah.
0: good. He said, I'll work with you, but like, you're probably going to do all your training on your own. You can't run with groups. Everything is controlled by lactate. Like, You can't go join the group long run and go too hard. You know, it was just like... And he's like, the training is very boring and it's very hard to do alone.
1: Mm. And I
0: was like, I'm here for it. So I've done pretty much all the training by myself and I love it. I mean, I don't know. I'm learning from him every day. And I hired him in August and I was like, I want to do a marathon in December and I want to run 227. And he was like, okay, well, what's your half marathon time? And I was like, well, I've never done a half marathon either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not off the bike. anyway. I've done it off the bike, but I haven't done it anywhere else. Yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. And he was like, oh, okay, well, maybe we should do a half. And I was like, okay. So I signed up for a half and we did that and we got some data from that. you know. And then I did the marathon. And I'll tell you what, Greg, I told him I wanted to run 109 and 227. And I ran 109 and 2.27. Wow. These guys, like Norway is doing it right. Like if you can do the training, you are going to be fast. The question is the training is not for everybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so t- t- <laughs> take, t- take us brutal. through a little bit of that. What does what that training look like any given week or is it changing every week?
0: Oh, no. It doesn't change every week. It's very routine. Um, Arla, they believe in like routine. So doing the same flow every week Yeah, because the body really likes routine. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So I was running for my marathon build. Um, it was about 16 weeks and I was running a hundred miles a week
2: mm-hmm.
0: every week, no down weeks. So they don't really believe in taking days off or mm-hmm. having a recovery week. They structure the training so that the re- the weeks can be repeatable, right? Yeah, and yeah. so you don't need a break.
1: No, Joel and, Filial was also like that when I, we talked on the last. Had Joel on the show, he's like, "Look, you're overtraining. If you need to have a break, <laughs> he's like, get the get the exactly. formula right, and then you can consistently keep doing it.
0: Exactly, and that's what we do. And we found what works for me. So. You know, I would. Um, I'll just take you through a week because I know this is what people like to hear, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just the actual training.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so on Mondays, I would do an hour swim. I swim every Monday with Gwen Jorgensen, good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. We that's that's our Monday, ten a.m. We swim together, and I would run an easy hour, and that's it. Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesdays our double threshold days. So in the morning, I do 13 miles with probably six miles of work at threshold. When I say threshold, we're using lactate. And we're looking for between 2.5 millimole and 3.2 millimole. And that's much lower than some people think lactate LT2 is. A lot of people, um, you know, associate that with around four millimoles. But the, the philosophy behind this is that if we go a little under, again, we won't need that much recovery and we won't have the muscular breakdown and we don't need easy days, And we right? can do it more awesome. So
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So like an example of workout would be five times 2K at LT2, right? Mm-hmm. With one minute rest in between. So very short rest. And then in the evening, I would hit the treadmill and do 10 by 1K at LT2, same pace, And that workout would be around 10 miles. So Tuesday, we're at 23 miles for the day. It's a big day. It's a big day. Mm. And on Wednesdays, this is what I think the moneymaker secret session is. So everyone listen. (laughs) (laughs) On Wednesdays, I would do around 14 miles with 10 miles at LT1. And LT1 is the turning point where your body goes from using fat mm-hmm. to using a mixture of fat and carbohydrate
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay
0: so for me that's around 615 pace
2: yeah yeah so
0: i would i do 10 miles at 615 after tuesday which was double threshold day
2: mm-hmm. okay
0: so at this point my legs are smashed right super tired 615 my heart rate's low but like muscularly I'm very tired. Mm -hmm. And this is the workout that's preparing me for the marathon, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This is how I'm going to feel. So like Norway doesn't do gym. They don't do strength training. Mm -hmm. They do sessions like this. So like a lot of LT1 work followed by double threshold day, right? Mm -hmm. Coming off where you've you've put so much load in your legs and now you still kind of have to do something that's uncomfortable, right? And then Thursdays, I would have two 10k runs so a 10k run in the morning and a 10k run in the evening and that's because once you're running this much mileage 10k is like basically like running zero miles so having two of those runs like it actually made me feel a lot better um and kind of flushed my body right but really i still got 12 miles on the day like and then friday would be another threshold day but longer intervals so an example workout, the hardest one I would do was four by 4K four at LT2. Yeah, right. And with only two minutes rest in between, right? So for me, LT2 is around 320 per K, 520 pace per yeah. mile. Yeah. And so that's a pretty challenging workout. Um, and then Saturdays are just an easy day, an hour easy.
1: Hang on, I need one run on the Friday?
0: Um sometimes I would have <laughs> I'm just teasing either- you by the way. <laughs> I'm
1: giving you No, a hard no time. sometimes
0: I would have an afternoon shakeout on yeah. Friday yeah. or Saturday. Yeah. Um yeah. so yeah. And then Sunday is just my long run.
1: So what was Saturday? Sorry, I cut you off.
0: Oh, Saturday is just an hour easy.
1: Oh easy. Like super
0: easy. And and easy for me. Easy for a two twenty seven marathoner is seven forty five to eight minute pace.
1: Yeah, right. Um, yeah, just under five-minute Yeah, yeah. And then Sunday's a long run?
0: Sunday's are a long run, and they're from two to two and a half hours. But I think people are going to be surprised by this. I only did one long run with work, one workout. That's it. And I did that three weeks before my race, my marathon. And the rest of my long runs were 745 to eight-minute pace.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But that's because during the week I did three threshold sessions and then an LT1 session, you know? So I was doing about 40 miles of work a week at intensity. Yeah, so it becomes about strength.
1: It really is. Sunday's your strength run. It's like you've had a big week. Hold the body together and just stay on the legs. Time on the legs, time on the legs. Yeah.
0: Time on the legs, Yeah.
1: You know, what's interesting about there is the lack of intensity, you know, not, nothing super high, LT2, you know, they're all, you, you could still be doing those. And if you, someone was running next to you, you could still kind of talk from time to time, you know what I mean? You're going oh, fast, sure. but you, you're still yeah. able to go, Hey, you know, watch the pothole or whatever. And you know, that, that high, high intensity is not there.
0: No, like LT2 heart rate for me is like 156 to 162. So yeah. it's pretty low, right? Yeah. yeah. And- I never did one workout faster than half marathon pace since yeah. I've been working with this Norwegian program. Yeah. I have not done any of that and I'm still fast.
1: <laughs> like, Is that because you have, like, what would he, what do you think they would do if somebody didn't have some natural kind of speed?
0: I can answer that exactly. So first thing I did when I started with him was I went to the lab and did a VO2 max test. Mm. and my vo2 max in boulder is was 75
1: wow it's very high for a woman by the way everybody listening yes very high <laughs>
0: very very high for a female at altitude
1: at altitude yeah i don't know what percentage you, you meant to add on or take off for altitude but i'm sure there's a formula he yeah. said
0: it's about two to three so that's probably like a 78
1: yeah at sea level okay yeah.
0: And I asked him because I'm asking, because I'm a coach too, right? Like I want to learn. And I had the exact question you just asked me. And I said, what are you looking at to decide if I need intensity or not? Right. And he said, your VO2 max is so high that that is not a limiter for you. Mm. So if I had a VO2 max of what, 62, I would have to be doing VO2 max intervals. Mm -hmm. And those would be included in my program. But since my VO2 max is high, my limiter is strength and extension at LT2. Mm -hmm. So our goal was to build strength and build the amount of time. Like we worked up to 10 miles of LT2 work in one workout. Right. So like extending the amount of time at LT2 and strength. And, and so that's how he identified that. So again, if I was someone with a low VO two max, then I would probably be doing some, a mixture of VO two max intensity within my session. I like
1: that. It's funny because I spent a lot of time studying Arthur Lydiard, and I think you did too from our last conversation when we chatted in Boulder, I think you would, you know, Arthur Lydiard is what I modeled most of my career of. And, and it was always, you know, a lot of that, LT2 kind of running LT1 but every every Tuesday doing 20 miles at that kind of pace you know for me it was around that 6 minute mile pace 345k so you do every every Tuesday but you knew if you could do that you knew you could sprint a 10k do you know what i mean it was oh, like yep. and, and then you're just talking about legs, leg turnover and leg speed you know which for me i would do a little bit of minus 1 or 2% downhill running you know on the trails in boulder just to get the feeling of, of of turning the legs over, but it wasn't hard breathing and they were 15 to 20 second type efforts, but just to turn the motor skill pattern on, do, does, do you do any of that kind of work? Any kind of leg turnover on the treadmill or down, slightly downhill running?
0: Yeah, that's a good question too. No, we don't. So what we do do though is let's say like four weeks out of the event, my LT2 is 320 per K. In my half marathon, I wanted to run 315 per K. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this is the same if I wanted to do a 10 K
2: yeah. and
0: let's say I wanted to run three Oh five per K mm-hmm. for four weeks leading into that race, one session a week would be at race pace. So whatever right. that is, i not
1: right. Right. doing a
0: five K it's three minutes per K, so right? So it's very limited. And that,
1: yeah. I like that. Yeah.
0: Very limited, but to get the legs to get used to that leg turnover. Yeah. Um, because like you said, if you can run 20 miles at LT1 and feel good, like, metabolically, you are primed to run fast. It's all about that neuromuscular, like turnover and Mm -hmm. and being Mm -hmm. comfortable doing that. So that's how they kind of do that is four weeks out of the race. We do one session a week that's race specific in in exactly the pace you will be running in the race to get used to it.
1: I love that. How how has this, you know, knowledge that you've generated through working with the Norwegians impacted the way that you're coaching your athletes now? You know, is that Have you made shifts with the athletes and their programs?
0: For sure. I've made shifts in the athletes where it makes sense because Mm. this program doesn't work really, I think. I don't know if this is true, but unless you can do a certain amount of volume
1: right Um, right of course right and so
0: the athletes that I coach that can do over 15 hours a week those people have been using lactate you know where I'm implementing this kind of training Hmm. but the people that can only train around 12 they still need that high intensity because you're just not doing enough volume for this kind of training to work
1: well done so yeah that's fantastic good on you I mean it's understanding the person you're working with and what are their wants and needs and and how can you incorporate it. And and yeah, if you've got 12 hours a week or 10 hours a week, we got to optimize those hours. Yeah. Fascinating. How many, how many athletes are you working with at the moment? And and are you taking any more on?
0: I have 30 athletes at the moment and no, I'm not taking anybody (laughs) else on. I am booked. And as much as I'd love to coach more people, I just
1: can't. No, 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 no. It wouldn't be fair to the ones that you have at that point, you know, you've got to... Exactly. I know.
0: mean, I'm at a point where it's honestly probably a couple athletes too much. Fortunately though, there's some people that take breaks, you know, like I'm never mm-hmm. coaching 30 at once, Yeah, but I have 30 on my thing. Um, and also my, my turnover rate in coaching is very low. So I've been coaching at least half of these people for a long time. So once I kind of figure them out, they're much easier to coach than like bringing on someone new and learning them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Are you going to head over to Spain, Sierra Nevada, where the Norwegians train? They often do their training camps at High Altitude up there. Are you planning any trips to join them?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to do um, the Rotterdam Marathon
1: on April Rotterdam, love it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's fast too. Yeah, I
0: just got in this morning actually. So I've been... I've been having a hard time getting into races because like I wanted to do the Boston marathon, but I can't ever run the Boston marathon because I have the THC suspension.
1: I thought that was the whole point of having a six month ban. You, you, you <laughs> serve your ban and then away you go. What, what was the point of the ban otherwise?
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought the same, you know, yeah. and I'm pretty, I mean, I've been talking a lot with USADA and I'm pretty positive in 2024, the THC the whole rule is going away. So at like, at that point, am I allowed again because it's legal now? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, I just finalized, I'm going to do Rotterdam. And then after that, I am going to hopefully go meet up with them in Sierra Nevada. And, um, because they, the Norway, um, Team will be over there doing their preseason
1: camp. Oh, that'd be fun. So. That'd be great. Yeah, they, they're a good bunch yeah. of guys. Gustav and Christian, and and obviously the coaches. It's it's a good squad um, where they genuinely seem to care about each other. It seems like a very tight, you know, unique community. I think it's wonderful what they're doing over there. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah,
0: I love these people. And like, and and Arlet is the best coach. Like. I'm on the treadmill or I'm at the track or whatever, doing my workout, taking my lactate and I'll text him. Like he's live with me during my workout.
2: He's wow. on his
0: phone waiting for me wow. to message him what my lactate is after the interval and how to adjust my intensity. Wow. Based on that. wow. As a coach.
1: Yeah. That's, that's so, fantastic. That's a, just a good human being as somebody who genuinely cares. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He genuinely cares. And it, and I'm so grateful to be able to work with them. Um, but, you know, selfishly, I would love to go train with Gustav and Christian because I feel like our running intensity would be very
1: similar. Oh, for sure it would be. If you're running a 227 marathon, 109 halves, you're you're right on it's like the it slot right in. It's perfect. Yeah.
0: Especially for their triathlon training, right? Like yes of course, of course. That's what high no, no, right? no, that's so, what we're talking
1: about. Yeah. No, it's you guys yeah. your L T one, your L T twos it it's it slots right in. Please give yeah. my best to Real next time you, you you speak to him. Uh I, I do need to have him back on the show. I'd love to have him back on for another conversation because um he really is a good person. So yeah, Rotterdam, what date is that?
0: It's April 16th. And um, my goal there, I'll start my season with the Rock and Roll Half Marathon in Las Vegas mm-hmm. on February 25th. Okay. Um, that's a pretty cool race because it's at 4 p.m. So it's in the afternoon and you get to run down the strip and whatever. So, yeah, and then I will train and then go over to Rotterdam and I, look, Olympic trials are in Orlando. So I hope to see you there.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> come on up for on, sure. What date's that?
0: Yeah. February 3rd, 2024.
1: Okay. So that gives you a good, it's a good year. Yeah. It's
0: a, we got a year and it's a four lap course yeah. and I love laps. Um, and it's flat and I love flat.
1: What, what are the kind of times you have to do? What have they set for the marathon for the, to qualify? Oh,
0: for the for the Olympic trials you have to run two thirty six fifty nine. So that's
2: oh yeah.
0: Okay. I already have my Olympic trials time. Um so that's like I'm working backwards, right? So I'm like, okay, that's the, the big race. And so I need to do two marathons this year and I wanted to do one marathon where I could get a fast time. Um and that's gonna be Rotterdam. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to run I'm going to Rotterdam with the goal of running a two twenty four. Mm-hmm. It's a flat race. You know, people run there to get good times, and I want to get 224. And then I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon in October because I want to race against the top US women.
1: Yeah. And you never know what you're going to get in Chicago. It's going to be freezing cold or really hot and humid. It's such a random race. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so if it's cold, like I'll probably get a good time. If it's hot and humid, then that's great prep for Orlando. Yeah, right? And, it, and so, either way, I it's good to go get a race.
1: That. It's good to race. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: And I want to go to that race just to be competitive. And I'm racing at that point for a place. Uh-huh. I don't care about my time. And I'm trying to get my time 224 in Rotterdam. Yeah. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this season.
1: Good on you. Good on you. And you add a few short races in between and, and things like that just to keep exactly. yourself going. Yeah. Um, All
0: the ones with the prize money. But,
1: <laughs> yes, of course. Why of not?
0: Of course. It hurts that, just that, as much. you be proud of me. <laughs> You're going to be proud of me for this. Last summer, I found a, there was a 5,000-meter track race in Pittsburgh. And if you broke the Pennsylvania state record, fifteen seventeen. You couldn't have a pacer. That was pretty much the only... And you couldn't have run faster than fifteen, seventeen, ever in oh, okay. your life,
1: okay. right? Yeah.
0: Those are the two criteria. It was 20,000 bucks to get first.
1: <laughs> and so you did it, yes, right? Yes, you
0: went. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's your fifteen, I mean, sixteen 15, that you've run.
2: <laughs> 16. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh Lauren, this does not surprise me. And I'm so happy for you because you are somebody that... You do your homework. At the end of the day, other people, oh, I should have done that. Well, yeah, you could have. You could have. You could have. Anybody could have entered so long as you hadn't been quicker than that in the past. But it's like the amount of times I heard people say that to me throughout my career, oh, I probably should have done that. I'm like, oh, really? Well, firstly, you could have, and secondly, and here's my ego speaking, everybody, you had to beat me.
2: Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so
1: excuse me for that, <laughs> but it was that was always kind of, I'd never say that, obviously, but it was kind of, uh, it did make me always feel that way. Well, I've got a few more questions before I let you go. I um, okay. the, These I kind of sent you earlier because they're, they're kind of ones that I'm always fascinated about. And the first one is, what would you tell your 18-year-old self now?
0: I think I would tell my 18-year-old self, one, to go to therapy. like today, mm. like start at eighteen. And two, kind of get rid of expectations, because I feel like a lot of time in my life i've I've been anxious or depressed mm-hmm. because I've just set my expectations way too high. And I would say set achievable expectations. Um, I like that. and and ask for help mm. um, when you can't figure it out or you feel stuck instead of having an ego and being stubborn and be like, I can figure it out by myself. Like, no, like everybody needs help and it's not a weakness.
1: That is fantastic Um, feedback. Fantastic feedback. That's what I'm learning
0: in my thirties. Yeah.
1: No, that's (laughs) great advice for everybody. It's uh, I think we all get in this trouble of, you know, unrealistic expectations can really just inflame anxiety. Um, and and being true to yourself, understanding your strengths and weaknesses and and going, yeah, what am I capable of? Um, And then obviously, yes, asking for help. I think that's fantastic. All right, next one. Yeah. Who would you want to have dinner with? Non-family. They can be living or dead. Three people.
0: Three people.
1: Can you come up with three?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can. So, but they're all kind of in the same theme right okay. now because that's my obsession. Yeah. <laughs> so I would want to have dinner with my coach, obviously. Oh, I haven't
2: yeah. um
0: I, I have met him but only yeah. at like St. George as like yeah. not as him coaching me, you know. So
2: yeah.
0: um I would like to have dinner with this woman named Ingrid Christensen. Mm. She was the world record holder in the eighties in the marathon, the ten K and the Five K all at the same time while being a mother.
1: That's where I've heard that name from. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: She was a Norwegian marathon runner. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I started listening to podcasts and reading books and articles by her and she's the one who inspired me to try the marathon because I was so like moved by her journey. So I would love to just have dinner with her and talk to her about her career and being a mom and you know navigating that. And then the third person, I don't know. Probably like I don't have a third person, Greg, right now. I'll be Maybe like person. Jesus.
1: I'll come. In, I'll, I'll come and join you. <laughs> I'll come and join. Oh, or, or, okay. You Greg. can have Jesus instead.
2: <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> All right. I like that. that. That's a great three, though. All right. And next question. Where do you see see yourself in the next three to five years?
0: That's a good one because I've really been doing work and thinking about that the next three to five years. Well, I want another kid, um, but I mean, I'm not with anybody really right now. So
1: So finding, Um, finding, finding a man and and having a kid (laughs) I like that.
0: Yeah. I just, I, I feel like being a mom is like what I'm supposed, supposed to be. I feel calm. I feel grounded being a mother and I really love it. And I want another child. So I would like to, in three to five years, I would like to be pregnant and probably my running is over, like competitively, you know, I'm still running, but not. Yeah. yeah,
1: I get it. You're giving this a good whack whack right now. Yeah. I get it.
0: Exactly. And, um, I would like to still be coaching but I think really, I would really... If you were like, what kind of job would you really want? I would really love to be hired by uh, large corporate companies to come in and speak with their employees and like the CEOs on like how they can balance their life with exercise and work and family. I love Um, it. Because I, I feel like I've learned a, that, how to make it work and how to be able to do it all. Um, well, yeah. and from coaching, from my own life, from my past experiences, and I feel like that could be a lucrative business, and um, and also something where I'm changing people's lives and making an impact. So. That's what I would like to be doing in five
1: years. Well, I think you can do all of that. And I'll I'll back you up on that last one. And after being a professional athlete, after being a parent, after doing all of those things, it's probably one of the big things I bring into the corporate world that I'm in now is understanding that this is all about the journey. It's not so much about the destination, love what you're doing, you know, prioritize your family and all of these kinds of things. I think you do get that because you've lived a life with intent, you know, and a lot of consistency over many many years so I think that's very that's one you should start scribbling notes now on how you want to make happen because I think you'd be great at it um yeah okay I want to finish the show with some really fast rapid fire questions you up for it I'm ready (laughs) (laughs) okay what is the show that you're watching now on any of the Netflix or whatever
0: oh I'm watching Southern Charm and it's this trashy (laughs) reality show on bravo but it takes place in charleston south carolina and that's where i'm from and Ah. so it like it's nostalgic i like to see the bars everybody's going to and like you know like yeah okay
1: (laughs) cool i like it all right two most used apps on your phone
0: instagram and strava
1: all right toughest race you've ever done
0: oh hands down the marathon i just did cim
1: marathon yeah it was tough huh you're still around 227 my goodness all right. Yeah. I'm Out sorry. of ten, how cool are you?
0: Nine point
1: five. <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, I've had a guest that just says, "Yep, I'm going to own it. I love it." <laughs> I'm so cool. Oh yeah, you are. That was great. I
0: can go back. Let me. Go. Here's the part narcissist and myself. Let me go back with somebody I want to have dinner with, myself.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious as to why only a 9.5. What happened to the 0.5? Where are you lacking?
0: Well, if you do a round number, that's kind of a rookie score. So I got to give a little... It's actually uncool
1: leeway. to do a round number, right?
0: It's, it's uncool to do a round number <laughs> and, and I'm not quite a nine. So I'm going to go with a 9.5. Oh. I actually put a, probably should have done a 9.6. The <laughs> 9.5 is still kind of rough
1: around (laughs) (laughs) all right who would you want to play a movie of your life
0: oh probably jennifer aniston although Mm. she's a little older now but
1: that's okay yeah yeah she's gorgeous all right which decade of music is the best
0: um the 2000s
1: okay what race would you recommend everybody do at least once either running or triathlon
0: Oh well, I'm gonna. I haven't done enough running races to really answer that question. So I'm gonna answer that for triathlon, and this answer for me is very easy. It's Escape from Alcatraz triathlon. Yeah, it is so so cool, cool, so unique. It's awesome, and it's funny because like that's the one that ended my career. (laughs) It's like my favorite race.
1: (laughs) I know, but you ended. You got to win it. That's kind of cool. I'm envious. It's the one race I kind of walk away going never want it anyway where is somewhere you haven't been you'd like to go
0: oh i would like to go to like um australia or new zealand like that area of the world oh, cool. i've never been
1: yeah perfect i'm yeah. sure there's plenty of running races to take you down that way yep yeah. all right final question greatest movie of all time
0: oh pre-fontaine
1: hey yes the newer version right pre or yeah. the old? yeah because there's two versions of it, but that's an outstanding movie. I love that one. I
0: love that one. I love
1: it. I didn't uh. know who Pre was, and Simon Whitfield sat me down. This was back in, whatever, 2001 or two, and he said, Greg, you got to watch this movie, Prey. There's, there's, this guy, you remind me so much of him, and, and you, you love this guy. I'm like, all right. So I, I saw, watched this movie, and oh, my goodness, it broke my heart. I, it was like he didn't tell me anything about what happens or anything. I didn't know that Pre had passed or any. It was just... Oh man, it rocked my world, but it was an amazing movie and an incredible story.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a really amazing movie. And, um, I always think about it's not who's the best. It's who can take the most pain.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I tell myself that and not as pain, like physical pain, but like more of like who can follow the plan Mm. or believe, you know, buy into the process. Mm -hmm. Like, Who can like last the longest without letting their ego get in front of them and sabotage. And my big thing right now, like to wrap up this is like, I, and as a coach, as an athlete now in another sport, right when we get close to breakthroughs and it starts to get super uncomfortable, I feel like as athletes, we start self-sabotaging, you know, and I've really identified that I do that. And I've seen my athletes do that. So that's what I mean by like, not who can take the most pain, but like you can push through that uncomfortable kind of window right before a breakthrough. When times are getting tough, you know, for me, whether it's in my personal life or in my athletic life, I just tell myself like, I'm so close to a breakthrough. Like this is a test and don't abandon yourself, like get through it. And I think that's why I've, I I keep coming back, you know, I keep fighting because even when times are hard, I just try to, I know there's something better if I can get through that, you know, low point.
1: Mm. That's so well said. And I think a, a perfect place for us to wrap this up. Lauren, thanks so much for your time and just sharing your journey and the highs and lows and how you've managed it all. You've still got so much ahead of you and I'm excited to see what happens in twenty twenty three and obviously twenty twenty four. But really appreciate you coming on and spending this time with me.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me and I, I look forward to getting drinks with you after the <laughs> Olympic
1: trial. Can't wait. Oh, so February that's February third. Orlando, <laughs> February next year. You send me a reminder, would you please? Because
0: I <laughs> will let's put it on the Google calendar. We'll <laughs>
1: Thanks, go Throw it on bite. my Google calendar. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lauren, you're the best and congrats on everything you're doing. Um, all the best to your little one as well. Um, wilder Thank you. yeah Thank fantastic you. all right for everybody else um you can find all the show notes and timestamps at bennettendurance.com forward slash media thanks a lot for listening if you enjoyed the show your support would truly be
2: appreciated you can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice don't miss the next episode so subscribe and be notified For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.